Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the Melbourne region to discuss industry passions, challenges and ideas. My name's Abby Green and I connect businesses with talented contractors in the software engineering market. So welcome to the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast. Today I'm joined by Byron, the CIO of Australian Sports Foundation, Aslan, a team lead from CPA Australia, Stuart, the development team lead from Car Sales, and Susanna, the delivery manager from AGL. But we're here today to discuss the topic of effective leadership. So before we dig deeper into the topic, let's just work our way around the room and do some introductions. So Byron, would you like to kick us off? Awesome. Thanks, uh, Abby, and, and, and lovely to be talking with everyone today. So I've been in tech for like every job I've ever had to be in tech. So it's always, every professional role has been, um, been in um, some form of technology. Initially as a developer, what we used to call web developers 22 years ago, um, the project management, I've been in more sort of ex- executive leadership roles for the last little while, worked across a whole range of um industries, commercial industries, banking, finance, not-for-profit for the last little while. And for me, I was reflecting last night my first leadership role. And like many, it was not planned. It was not something I set out to say, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, do leadership. Uh, it was my first role. I was a web developer in a web, web development project, about sort of 10 folks working on it. And the guy who was like the leader just didn't show up one day and then the next day he didn't show up and after about a week they said Byron you're now the you know you're the lead of this project like one day. <laughs> all, all right people are coming to me asking questions and they're like you just have to oh yep fake it till you make it sort of thing and that was my first day of the leadership and um obviously not not ideal circumstances but that's that was how it kind of happened and then progressively working in yeah roles and whatnot and, and getting the sense of sense of um experience and gradually managing larger teams and getting a real idea of what I feel effective leadership is. So again, looking forward to talking about that. The um, j- Just upon reflection, like what, what has driven me, I think I'd like to talk about later on, is, is motivation of leadership and how you create that environment for leadership to occur. And for me, it's always been a cultural thing. It's about driving impact. It's about being you know as effective as we can to make, make stuff happen. So there's some really, really good themes to talk through this. On a personal note, I look after kids who are my my children. Um, I'm actually living in regional Victoria, so made a bit of a COVID change and, and kind of getting used to the kind of new way of working where you're collaborating in person and, and, and living two hours away, which, which is great. Um, I actually live on a vineyard. So on the weekends, I'm in a vineyard pruning grapevines. It sounds amazing. And it's absolutely not because, like, as great as pruning vines sound, it's it, it's really like people say, "Oh, I'll come and help you." Like, yeah, do you want to come and help like splay black blackberries? Like, oh, no, I was thinking like maybe picking the fruit. Like, yeah, that's like four percent of the effort. Like, you know, you can help with something else, like putting out nets. And they're like, "No, I don't want to do that." Like, so maybe my effective leadership skills in in trying to wrangle volunteers to work on a vineyard in the weekend are not fantastic. So, if we just kind of steer away from that i'd be i'd be pretty happy to 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 not show my my, my lack of knowledge yet anyway looking forward to talking about this it is a, a topic i'm very passionate about so thank you fair, fair. thank you so much byron and you have promised me your first bottle of wine 
I'm just going to make that point now. So it's recorded. I've made the promise for a lot of people, so I'm not really tracking it. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Thank you so much for that insight. And um, Aspen, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Abby. And great story there, Byron. Uh, yeah, yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, so my name is Aslam Lulania and I'm the Web Development Team Lead here in CP Australia. Uh, I've been uh, in leadership role for close to five years now uh, and I'm working in ID industry for, for almost 10 years. Um, and uh, as I said earlier, this is a very different landscape. It's like a different day every single time. Every new problem has a different way of solving um, so yeah, it's it's very challenging. It's very exciting. It gives a lot of opportunities. You, you work, uh, you have an opportunity to work with some of the great minds, and that's what I really value, and, and that's what you know makes me go to work every day. Uh, because at the end of the day, you learn a lot uh, from your peers. Um, apart from uh, my normal day-to-day uh, you know, job i also on the side as a hobby i have uh, an online business and this actually all started happening uh especially during the covid when you know everything was locked down i was like okay amazon is new in australia how about i give it a go uh, and it turned out to be really good um, and after that i ended up expanding to other markets especially in europe uh, and us uh, currently i'm expanding there uh, so yeah, that that keeps me, uh, uh, you know, awake at night, uh, and especially now that we are all working from home, uh, not as much as you, uh, Byron, but hey, we, we still have to go like one or two days a week. Uh, but still, you know, that this gives more opportunity for you to focus on many other projects that you always maybe wanted to do but never got the time. Um, so yeah, this this worked out really well for me, and. Um, the reason I chose this topic, um, effective leadership, is because one is I, I'm I, I was I mean in, in the past I've been really fortunate to have really good leaders in my career, and that is what really inspiring for me on a personal level that I want to also be the same example and lead others with an example. So yeah, I, I have some really good things to talk about and. You know, love to discuss with you all. Fantastic, Aslan. Thank you so much for that. Um, and as you say, the podcast is all about just collaborating with ideas. And as you say, bring your experiences to the forefront. Thank you so much. So, Stuart, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, my name's Stuart. I am a development team lead uh, with ourselves.com, um, with whom I've been with for a bit over 12 years. So, about it is now that's uh, over a third of my life which is i'm not going to dwell on because uh, <laughs> you might take up too much of the podcast with that discovery um but i i have i think quite a different experience to um to a lot of you in that i've i've gone to almost grow up with an organization you know i started there as a as a junior qa and uh, moved into senior qa QA team lead roles are now in a development team lead role. And, you know, when we talk about influences on leadership, I've been very fortunate to, over that time, have uh, worked with and worked for a whole lot of different leaders who have different styles and um, and also, you know, worked with some very long-tenured leaders like Carsales has a lot of 
um, people who have stayed with the business a very long time, like I have, and um, I've gotten to see how their approach to our sales' growth has uh, led to their leadership evolving and their methods of leadership evolving. And uh, I've gotten to use that in my own leadership roles that I've held over the past four or five years. Um, like, like Byron, it was almost by accident um, in that my, my previous manager left and then I kind of got the, the tap by default. Um, <laughs> it, it wasn't, uh, it, I don't think it was as jarring as your experience, Byron, in that the, you just stopped showing up. Well, we knew he was going. Um, <laughs> wait. wait. <laughs> um, yes. But, but yeah, you, all of a sudden there's a gap there and, and people start looking to you and you're like, okay, uh, what now? And <laughs> and I hope over the four or five years I've gone slightly better at, at winging it since then. Uh, but, yeah, I'm very fortunate to have had a lot of really great influences in this space. And, um, you know, one of the things I love about my job is the ability to to try and pass that on and to to be that leader that um those people were to me uh so um like all of you it's a topic that i'm i'm really passionate about um outside of work you've got me on i think the one match day of the women's world cup that only has two games in it as opposed to three <laughs> or so the timing has worked out perfectly um, i'm a massive fan. um and yeah, during COVID, I wasn't as productive as you, Aslam, or you, Byron, but um, most of mine, uh, my time was just trying to find leagues that hadn't shut down. Um, so I became yeah. a big fan of Korean soccer, <laughs> which, which, uh, funnily enough, I haven't kept up since everything came back. But um, <laughs> so not, not the most productive use of my time, but uh, it's something I love very dearly. Thank you so much for that background. Um, as you say, with all such a long tenure at car sales, it must be a fantastic place to work. So thank you for that. Um, Susanna, last but not least, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yes, thank you, Abby. Um, thanks for having me on here. And it's really inspiring to be you know, around a group of really amazing different people from different industries with lots of extracurricular hobbies as well and you know, <laughs> long-standing tenure so I think we can all learn a lot here today. Um, I'm Susanna, I'm a delivery manager at AGL. Um, I've been here for about just over two years um, and working in technology and more specifically within our digital program. We've got about 150 uh, people in this program who build, run and maintain um, you know, delivery of all of our features across so many different channels. Um, it keeps me busy, so there's not a lot of time for <laughs> extracurricular, but I think um, my career has been, you know, pretty long-standing, not, not too far away, so I think it's in between quite new, still have lots to learn. Um, I actually come from a advertising and marketing background, and I sort of fell into technology, um, but I've definitely found lots of passions there. It's probably similar to you, Byron and Stuart, a little bit. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, it, along the same sentiments, I've learned a lot along the way and I've been really lucky to have, you know, leaders who have been able to support me through my career. And I think that's really, really important for your own career development 
as you transition um, into these leadership positions. And pretty similar to you, Stuart, I think we're all here today because I think there's lots of learnings that we can share, you know, with this audience and um, hopefully, yeah, pass on the pass on the favours, pay it forward. 100%. And from a, I guess, extracurricular or hobbies perspective, I don't have any children like you, Byron, but do two Frenchies count? Because that takes up a lot of my time as well. I'm still teaching. Yes, I am a dog mom. Dog mom. Um, nice one. <laughs> and I'm probably trying to learn effective leadership with them. Perfect, <laughs> <laughs> Susanna. Thank you so much for that insight. Um, I've really, really enjoyed getting to know you all as individuals over the past few weeks. Effective leadership is such a hot topic and it's something that I discuss with candidates, clients, even managers here at Evolution. So I'm really excited to get this conversation going and just get some insights from you. Um, between you, obviously, there's so much experience across a number of different sectors. So yeah, keen to get right into it. So the first question is really quite, quite broad, um, which is just around what does an effective leader look like to you? So, Susanna, I'm going to pose this question to yourself. Um, what does an effective leader look like in your eyes? An effective leader to me, and I'm going to sum it up in maybe three top qualities. It was really hard to just pick a few. Um, the first one for me would be empowerment. So I think there are seven words that keep you working in the business rather than on it. And these are, it'll be faster if I do it myself. So I've seen really effective leaders be able to empower their teams to solve business problems without solving it themselves by asking, you know, guiding or probing questions that they already have the answer to. So I think it's about investing time in your team's development so they can eventually become self-sufficient. So sometimes you need to go slow in order to go fast. Um, when I transitioned into a leadership position myself, it was always easier to do everything myself. Um, and do it a certain way. In technology, there isn't a busy season. It's all busy year round and I was falling behind, falling into exhaustion, um, and I had a team around me. The more I shifted my mindset toward empowering my team, sharing that knowledge, sharing the learnings and demonstrating vulnerabilities, you can begin to foster an environment for continuous improvement, which allows people to fail, fail fast and learn from it. So that's one. Second one um, isn't isn't quite a quality, but um, it's called the 80-20 rule. I think some of you may or may not know this, also known as the Pareto principle. I think effective leadership is being able to identify and leverage that 20% of effort that will drive 80% of results. So it doesn't mean, you know, forgetting or ignoring everything else. It's purely about prioritizing your focus, prioritizing work, that can be improved to get the best outcome. Now, this can be used by leaders themselves. I'll give you an example. In my case, it's do I lead the delivery of every single feature or initiative or do I focus on empowering my leads to drive the delivery while I focus on strategically improving the performance of my teams to deliver? Teams can use it as well. So to pri prioritize the MVP or what, of what product or feature you're building, um, to deliver the most valuable benefit. So I really like this one because the 80-20 rule, it can be used anywhere and even in your personal life. Um, I think the final one would be influence. So I think great leadership and effective leadership is about being 
able to inspire the people around you to jump on board with your idea, your mission, your project. And then on the flip side of that is control. So this can be effective in some ways, but I think generally in the long term, you're you're more willing to do the hard yards for someone who inspires you rather than someone who you feel like is controlling you. So I see this daily with my own leaders. So um, in my digital business unit, like I said, we've got 150 plus people um, despite their titles. I think they still come into the office every day and no majority of their team members' names will engage in conversation, have fun, have difficult conversations and give credit where credit is due. And I think that just um, shows the team around them that, you know, we're all one team. And then when I was uh, back in advertising a few years back, I managed lots of projects and there were days where we'd have to work overtime to meet deadlines. So although my role was a project manager at the time, didn't require me to develop code. I'd be in the trenches with the team building website pages, providing moral support and just really showing the team that I wasn't there to tell them what to do. It was a team effort and it inspired the team to go the extra mile to get it done. What about the pizzas? Did you buy the pizzas? (laughs) I think there were uh, pizzas and possibly lots of drinks involved. Good. Good. (laughs) Just have a question, Susanna, in relation to, you talked about empowerment, which I totally agree with. How much do you think that is a characteristic of, of a leader versus a, the culture of a team or an organisation to help drive some of those um, conditions that you talk through to, to um, you know, help the team get the job done? I think it comes top down. So you'll need leaders there who show that it's okay to empower, it's okay to delegate, mm. and it's okay to not know all the answers to everything. Mm to be able to ask questions. And I think that fosters the culture of empowerment within teams as well, to drive your own backlogs, to drive your own priorities, that type of thing. Perfect, perfect, thank you. And Stuart, what would you like to add in terms of what an effective leader looks like to you? Yeah, I just wanted to to back up something that Susanna said, because I think it's really quite pertinent, particularly for um, the technical leaders that come into a leadership position Know, such as like like Byron and I did by accident, um, and after being a specialist in a, but after being a specialist in like in development or for my case it was QA, and it's the the power of letting go and of delegating. Um, Susanna, you're completely right. There's that temptation to to just do things yourself, absolutely, and to you know leading by example is a default, even if it comes at the detriment of your team. Um, it was like that for me when I went from a senior QA to QA lead. You know, things don't stop, and you know you you know you can get something done quicker. And that's almost like why you got that role. So you should just do the thing quicker so everyone can move on. Um, it wasn't until, like you mentioned, I started to frame that in terms of an investment in my team uh, that I was able to not only to do that more regularly, but to be confident enough to go to the business and say, look, this investment is worth it. You know, I can now look at my development team and, you know, although I, like I'm, I'm not a developer, I'll, I'll freely admit that, but, you know, I have seniors and I have uh, juniors 
And if a piece of work comes up that I know the senior can do in, say, X amount of time, but it might take the junior 3X that amount of time. Yes. That investment is still worth it because I know after that 3X time of time has happened, he or she is now you know, better prepared for when something like that comes up next time. And I'll get that investment back. Um, yeah, it, it, it's almost... Um, yeah. It's almost like, like unnatural, particularly when you've come in that uh, in um, through that development part to, to think of oh, the quickest way is always the best way. But if you start framing it in terms of investment, I think not only are you going to get the uh, you know, better results in terms of your ability to mentor and develop your team and to retain your team, um, but it also becomes a much easier sell to the business um, uh, to have that be a more recent. Yeah, I thought it was a really, um, really great point. Well, thank you so much for that point, Stuart. And uh, as um, what's your kind of take around and effectively you know what that looks like? Yeah. Um, before I uh, break this down, I just want to point out one point that Susanna made about eighty twenty principle is such a powerful uh, way uh, to be productive. And since I have discovered that, you, you know, you can implement this in your work. And you can use it to get recognized, like just for your team uh, from that point of view, right? Because oftentimes you see your team is spending time and effort in things which may not be that important or, uh, you know, impactful or adding value. And then all of a sudden when you discover that that 20%, I think that makes a huge difference. So yeah, 100% agree. Um, so going back to this question, uh, the way I want to break it down like an effective leader uh, leadership is into four different areas. Uh, uh, effective leader should be really smart and strong. Um, so to start with, um, so the first area, in my opinion, is the emotional strength. So an effective leader should be uh, able to connect with the people at, at a personal level uh, should be showing empathy uh, and, and that's how you gain trust of people who you work with and your colleagues. So empathy, uh, sorry, the, the emotional strength plays a really important part. Um, the second area is being in, intellectually uh, strong. Now, what that means is, you know, oftentimes you are, you know, people come to you with uh, one solution solution, or maybe multiple solution, right, to a problem. So if you have multiple solution present to yourself, you should be able to identify the right one to choose. And if, let's say, oftentimes people will just come up with one uh, fix, in that scenario, you should be able to ask more questions, like, is this the only way, like, is there a better option? You know, how can we brainstorm and come up with more ideas? Um, so you need to be, uh, as an effective leader, you need to be sharp when it comes to intellectual, uh, you know, way of thinking. Um, and then the third area uh, is being physically strong. Now, that doesn't mean lifting weights, but what I mean by that is... <laughs> you know, yeah, that's right. Uh, protein powders and, you know, going to the gym. Mm. But physical, uh, physically strong, what I mean is that you should be able to, or you should be ready to roll your sleeves and you know, get your hands dirty. Like, rather than 
uh, delegating all the times so or relying on someone else to fix the problem. You should be able to, uh, when needed, just get in. So no matter what type of work is, you should be able to jump right in and help. So one of the examples that I can share uh, from my work experience is that oftentimes I see uh, a devs in my machine and, and Stuart, you may be able to relate to this, that you know devs are blocked because they are either waiting on stakeholders to get some clarification on requirement or it could be some other dependency related issues, right? Um, so rather than relying on that uh, team member uh, to go and fix the problem himself, uh, you know, I should be able to just jump in and talk to the stakeholders or the other dependency of the teams and make sure that I get that issue uh, unblocked so that this person in my team can you know go and start working on it um, so yeah you should be able to do that and and the last area is uh, you need to be spiritually strong now again this has nothing to do with the religion or faith but spiritually strong means as a leader you should be able to think you should be vis visionary right you should be able to think ahead uh, oftentimes you know not everyone in your team or your colleagues be able to have the same uh, vision, uh, but as a leader, you should be able to see the bigger picture and, and make sure that all the effort that your team is putting in are aligning with that vision. So you are the connecting person. Now, what I think is that we all are are somewhere or the other, you know, good in one of those areas or maybe two of those areas. But the more we are self-aware in all these areas, the more we improve in all these different areas, I think the more effective leader we can become. So yeah, that's my take on it. Thank you so much. And as you say, it's that continuous improvement, isn't it? And also advocating for your employees throughout. Um, Byron, what's your take around effective leadership and what it looks like to you? I think that the comments made are all very, very important and all very bang on. For me, it's probably slightly sort of further back from that and, and creating a culture of being an environment whatever you want to call it to allow a lot of those things to occur so the way I think about leadership and I'm I'm a country boy at heart so it's always again for this first role I had in leadership and in and leading some large teams it's always about bush bashing you know I don't know that makes sense to everyone, but it's kind of clearing the scrub, getting getting everything out of the way so that the team can kind of come through. And as I'm touching that point in relation to unblocking issues, I look at the say, well, how can I create that environment where that dev just goes and taps one on the shoulder and has a bit of a chin wag about it to get them with the job? And it's about giving the team the environment, the tools, the, you know, the confidence, whatever it might be, to, to do that. And really driving... A very strong culture, a culture of trust, a culture of empowerment, a, a culture of innovation where you, you can try stuff and if it doesn't work, awesome, we've learned something. And look, you can listen to go on as far as what an you know, effective culture could look like. And I, I very much see a leader in that role. And I reflect on all the leaders I've had and there's never one perfect person, perfect leader, but you look at all the different attributes, you look at all the different things that kind of as we all know, helps shape who you are. And at the moment, I'm spending a lot of time on um, 
well, okay, thinking about scalability, like how do you grow, how do you take a relatively small organization team and actually start to scale? And it's a lot about connecting the dots. So for me, it's not like a definition of leadership, but I'm helping this person connect the dots with that person who then connects the dots with that person. And just as an example to say, well, you know, it may not be a you know textbook definition of what leadership is, but it's just getting stuff done. And again, creating that sort of roadmap for people to follow and just to get on with it. So um, yeah, that's my my take. Um, and just sort of borrowing on some of my, my personal um, uh, situation with kids, when, you, when you're dealing with a six-year-old and a seven-year-old who are like 50 calves, like your leadership dial, and maybe we don't call it leadership, I don't know, but um, <laughs> you've just got, to, you've just got to adapt and you're like, oh, man, I can't. It's just so different <laughs> than what it's like in the boardroom or whatever it might be. But a, a lot of the same things are coming out. You're like, getting everyone to understand, everyone on the same page, you know, okay, let's not really, let's create some equality, um, you know, everyone can have a different opinion, all these different things. And you have to, again, really target to the audience. So the, the point as I made around it, you totally get it. Um, so from a boardroom all the way down to a, you know, a scrap on the, the a scrap on the couch, who, watch, who gets to watch what Woody game, um, you know, adaptive, a bit adaptive is also really important. Your skills when it comes to conflict resolving, <laughs> conflict will be next level. Like, I well, well, it's really simple. You just take one child, you put them outside in the deck, and they have a bit of a Barney, and then you bring it back in, and everyone talk, everyone feel, you know, how we feel. That's you know, maybe not that extreme, but you know. <laughs> perfect, Susanna. Would you like to add anything? Yeah, I just wanted to add to um, some interesting comments there, Byron. You made around adaptability and getting stuff done. I think that's at the core of it too, isn't it? Just totally. sometimes sometimes I don't know what my title or role is. It's really just get it done. And I think sometimes you just be, be adaptable. I've used the word malleable even mm-hmm. yeah. um, in these scenarios and sometimes it's just go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. That's um, that sort of in the point roll, you're rolling the sleeves up. I think it's a real balance. And again, the point discussed around is it easy for me to do it or not? It's, it's a balance. When do you do that? When do you kind of escalate? When do you say, you know what, what's going to, you know, beat the bush to kind of clear the way for the team? And are you absolutely right? Like it's it's, it's malleable, flexible, adaptable. What do you want to call it? Yeah, thank you so much, guys. This brings us on really, really um, well into our next question, actually, which is around. How does effective leadership within an engineering or technology team differ to leadership in other sectors? So, Byron, we've touched on leadership with your children, <laughs> but within your within your organisations, like what is the difference between tech teams and the wider organisation? So, Stuart, I'll pass this question to you first. Like, how do you kind of define that within other areas? Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting question because, like, the the, the behaviours that we've all been talking about. Um, over the past few minutes, I think they're similar across the spectrum of leadership roles. Like at least I'd, I'd hope that you know leaders across the business they ideally share a knowledge of the company's vision and strategy, um, and of how their area contributes to that. Um, and they're they're adept at communicating to their team and what they need to do to execute on the strategy and how it all matters. I think if you're a people leader, the the behaviors are quite the same again. Um, you're aiming to attract and develop and keep great talent 
You're giving your people an environment where they're trusted to deliver on what's required in a way that makes use of that talent. But like Fire was mentioning before, it's also a place where they're free to experiment and learn and make mistakes and try stuff. Um, you know, you have that degree of psychological safety that you need to have in order to be answered. Um, all of those things, are, I think, are hallmarks of effective leadership for me. And yeah, as I said, I hope they're true across the spectrum of leadership roles. Um, from what I've seen, I reckon there's one area of difference that can make a technology leader infinitely more effective. And that's the ability to translate technical issues into a business context and vice versa. Um, to try and bridge that gap that can often... Uh, exist between the two spaces and an example of this that you often see in uh, in a technical leadership role is discussions around stuff like tech debt and, and upgrades and, and things like that um, tech leaders can often fall into the trap of pitching tech debt to the business as solely a technical problem because that's the context that you live in that's why it's a problem to you um, but it also makes it less enticing for the business to address because they don't necessarily share that context um, I think an effective tech leader can take that one step further and say if the technical risk of this of not addressing this problem is realised, what's the effect on the business's bottom line? You know, be it a financial risk to a product that relies on that technology or an uptime risk to an organisational process and pitch it to their stakeholders in what is now a shared context. Um, so they can better understand the risk and priority. Um, I think it also goes the other way. You know, effective technology leaders should be able to be given quite broad business problem um, and help their team understand ways that could be best executed technically, keeping in mind timelines, priorities, tech standards, skill sets, and then allow them to structure it and compartmentalise it into a way that you can deliver it. Um, so yeah, trying to bridge that gap, I think is a, a bit between tech jargon and business priorities, I think is a real hallmark of effective technical edge. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And Byron, is there anything you'd like to add? It's true. Just to, um, understand the point around, you know, sort of, as this talks about justifying tech debt as, a, as an example, mm. what are your thoughts around the leader? saying, well, I'm not going to justify it. I'm just going to do it. I know it's going to be done. Just crack on with it. And look, yeah. clearly there's you know, decisions around timing and budget and all these kinds of things, blah, blah, blah. What, what's your view around you know, leadership saying, well, I, I, yes, I can clarify the questions. Yes, I can explain all these things and you know, if necessary. But at the end of the day, the role of a leader in a, in a tech organization, tech position to say, we're doing this and that's what we're kind of doing. Again, you know, obviously the right, right sort of way. I think it's really important to to really back yourself and say, well, I'm not going to kind of ask someone the fact that this code is redundant and security risk and da da da. Just crack on with it. Um, any any thoughts or yeah, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no. I actually think it, it's a similar answer to what we were discussing before, and that it's a balance. Mm. Um, you know, uh, as a as a tech leader, and like you know. I, I lead a, uh, you know, a product ourselves. So we we have you know um, individual uh, self-contained teams. So we're 
dealing with not only a, a business product but also its its tech stack and where yep. all the responsibility. Um, there are times where you know we have, you know, we might have like a a system that has a monolithic structure. Uh, every time we try and release it, it yeah, <laughs> all, uh, all that kind of stuff. We want to break in the microservices to better match our. Uh, it's our core structures across yep. cast house. That's something that we will just need. To do. And as a t- as a tech leader, I have two ways of getting that done. One is to pitch it to the business in this manner and say, like, this is why it's going to be important for the business. This is how we're going to make our product scalable uh, and to be able to build on it going forward in a um, manner that will keep it up during that time. Um, or I could your point i could just do it and justify it if anyone asks um i I think the 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 approach behind it is the same though is that whenever you're asked that question the way to back yourself up is by having an understanding of why that could present an issue in the from a business you know the idea that i am aware as a leader in this business of the business context around why we're all here to be able to say this thing that we're doing although it may not have a um you know it may not lift the bottom line in the immediate sense yeah will present positive business outcomes and that is why i am doing it um so yeah like i I don't think you need to ask permission to, to, to take it. I think you should just do it. Um, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> but first, I having the confidence that your leader is going to back you with that and, and you work with the culture and say, you know what, I, you know, that person's got my back. Bam. Yeah. And and I think that is, you know, we, we talk about the, the um, elements of effective leadership. The ability to do that is a sign of, of psychological safety in an organisation. The idea that... Correct. I can have a look at my tech stack and you can have a look at your tech stack and say, no, that needs to change and I'm going to have my team change it um, because I know that not only is that a good technical decision, but also that is going to ladder back to our business being able to work more effectively. Um, and, yeah, if you have the confidence that your um, your leaders are going to back you up on that, almost automatically then that's wonderful um but if if you feel like a conversation is going to come up around it um and you know it's it is more than fair to be questioned on these kind of things um, but i think the answers should be put in that business context i think effective technical leadership should have an appreciation of that business context um well, I think it makes it even more effective. Um, be a big fan of asking for forgiveness. <laughs> no, of course. And it goes back to that trust piece as well, doesn't it? As you say, if you've got a leader that's fully advocating for you, it gives you that empowerment. It gives you that confidence, I suppose, yeah. to make those decisions. Um, Aslam, is there anything that you'd like to add? Uh, yes, really quickly to, uh, you know, what the situation that Stuart described and what Byron highlighted. Uh, I mean, as a tech leader, you find yourself in this situation really often, right? And I don't blame the business for not always understanding, you know, where you're coming from, because there's a lot more that goes under the hood from the technical side, which you need to 
do maintain you know responsible and you know it's very hard to make other people visualize or you know uh, justify whether why you're doing it and why this is critical it may not be critical to others and to manage this kind of situation what i do is that we have like a weekly meeting with the broader stakeholders every week um that includes the the marketing team the content team and and different areas of the business who are working with the technical team closely with the delivery team so that way we just kind of keep them in loop like what's happening what's coming you know what we're going to do in this release and what's happening in the future so that way they even though sometimes it doesn't make sense to them but you, you know having those regular conversations just helps them increase their awareness uh, on the technical side and, and you know that will make them uh, in a way convince or make them better understand from where the technical team is coming so yeah that's that's my take on that well, thank you so much for that. Susanna, is there anything that you'd like to add? Yeah, I think just to add on top of, you know, everything and all those points that were made around, I think technology is a pretty rock in a hard place, <laughs> I guess, when you're <laughs> working with other sectors because, yes, there is, you know, the need to sometimes justify and you're right, Aslam, sometimes other parts of the business don't quite understand and I think, um, yeah, as technologists, if we want to call ourselves, um, we probably do need to be able to speak that business language as well, um, tying that back to value, tying that back to benefits. Um, if I look at my own organisation, you know, we're not a technology company at heart, but technology is the future. So I think there does need to be a shift in focus and how we help you know bring our partners in other parts of the sector or other sectors of our organization on the journey with us um so i think yeah being able to you know explain how we can solve those problems using technology um and yeah i think it is an area where you know we should be able to learn make mistakes experiment fail and fail fast um which is sometimes not that you don't get that luxury in other sectors of the business. You know, for example, if I was to use <laughs> finance, that'd be a pretty hard place to fail and fail fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, thank you so much, Susanna. And Byron, is there anything that you'd like to add? No, I think, look, again, a lot of lot of great topics. And, and just to, um, just maybe one example I've got. No, I haven't been leading delivery teams for a little while have done previously and I, I come back to the point of safety and trust which which is so important for innovation and, and new things and there's one example I can think of where had about a couple of couple of engineers said hey we want to try a new thing you know it's going to cost $200 of AWS I'm like, what are you asking me for oh just crack on so went about it built a proof of concept there was a like a this way I can describe it as like a homemade data warehouse. We had a whole bunch of issues and we needed to bunch a whole bunch of data together before we put it in Salesforce or something. And the team have done a proof of concept. They're like, oh, this is awesome. This is going to change the business. This is going to be so great. It was, at, it was at, um, an organization where there was a massive spike in volumes of traffic. So we had like a super small amount of time to kind of make sense of a whole bunch of data. This is going to be 
awesome value. So round comes a busy time of year and and they're like, yep, it's all good to go. And bam, like the whole thing just crashed and burned. And I was in a situation of having sort of promised the business, yeah, this great thing. And the team were freaking out because they were they were aware what the expectations were and what the, the perception of that sort of value would be. And and they were like they were worried for their job that how how severe the um the, the the thought was and and I said well you know that doesn't doesn't matter like that's not that's not an issue don't worry about that like yes it failed what do we learn oh we learned a whole bunch of stuff great and and I said don't worry about that I've got I've got your back from the safety perspective we've created something new we didn't have it before we've learned a whole bunch what are we going to do next time? And then, you know, we went off and re-architected something. It, it ended up being a really, really significant piece of kit that they had built and ultimately drew, drove a whole bunch of insights and, um, and intelligence in the organization. So from that failing, that sort of, that, that culture of, of having a safety net and innovation, it was, you know, a very, very different outcome. And, and from a tech perspective, there's no better time to, to try it than, well, maybe, Maybe there is, but in front of the whole bunch of traffic coming through. But yeah, you know, that's that was that was what happened, and it was um, there was a great outcome eventually. Maybe not day one, but we got there. Yeah, no, fantastic. And like I say, it's all the collective. Like they feel comfortable enough to fail in that in that certain circumstance, but then how much you learn from that particular incident, which then can benefit the business in the long term, purely from the fact of just the amount you learn in within that project. Mm. So no, totally. fantastic insight there, Byron. Thank you so much. Um, and this, some points you made there leads on really well to our next question, which is around effect, like measuring effective leadership and what kind of metrics and mechanisms do you use? Um, I know you touched on there a lot of the fact that, yeah, your employees had faith in you that you would carry them through and although the, the project did fail that it wasn't unsuccessful in the sense of the bigger picture hmm. so how would you measure your effectiveness of your leadership or what kind of mechanisms are you currently using mm. look i think yeah at the end of the day you know, we we have objectives we're working towards and there's key results we're working towards that and hmm. in tech particularly at a you know an engineering level where you know, you're, you're writing code, you're, you know, you're contributing, you know, commits and whatnot. And I think, you know, a really effective metric I've, I've used is actually been able to to tie that line of, not you know, tie this code, this function, this this piece of code you've written to a, to an outcome from a product perspective, to an outcome from a customer perspective, to an outcome from a, you know, a business perspective. And, and whatever is driving the business is ultimately what you're working towards. So I've, I've found that, I guess my, my, my role that was the connection. How do I start to connect the value from a code level, product level, you know, revenue or impact or whatever might be driving your organization? And you, know, you can't necessarily, you know, I'm not saying you, you're claiming that outcome of the business on, on, on your leadership, but the role of the leader is to, is to help connect those, those things. Um, the, the other aspect I look at when I think about metrics is is the progress what what's the sort of progress we're making what have we what have we got now that we didn't have yesterday what do we have yesterday we didn't have that have before so yeah yeah it could be as simple as saying um it could be as simple as saying you know on the market or new products or, or whatever it might be but how are you constantly improving how you're constantly taking the business forward how you're solving business problems what is the impact on the customer from the perspective of you know, it could be 
resolution of the issue. It could be, um, you know, cycle time to create a case or, or whatever. Like whatever that kind of metric is that your product is driving is, is absolutely something that an effective leader should be looking at. And we've talked a lot about adaptability adaptability today, which which is important. Like it, it's not like as if I sit down and say, these are my uh, my leadership metric. Um, there's just so many and being aware of the fact that they will change on a, on a daily basis sometimes. But you, you've got to have focus on where the business is heading, what the customer experience is, yeah. and, and the things that actually drive your business and, and to really be able to sort of translate those back into what your, your team is working on. So that's that's how I've, I've typically looked at how um, how I, I can be measuring my effectiveness as a leader. Well, so like I say, it's having those core areas and having that adaptability and also considering a huge amount of variables that can happen within deliverables. Perfect. Thank you so much for that. And Aslan, what's your kind of take around um, your effectiveness and how you kind of measure that? Right. So what I think is <laughs> that it's, it's a bit challenging to measure leadership, effective leadership, but I still have some ideas uh, to share. Now, I know we have KPIs and, you know, revenue as Biden highlighted and a number of other metrics that can be measured, but these are the outcomes, right? Whereas in leadership, it's get a bit challenging to identify if, you know, you're doing the right thing or maybe you're going off track. Um, but what I found is that if you... I'll just go back to one of my previous points that I made around empathy because I feel that if you uh, foster or if you if you show empathy towards people you're working with and especially your team, right, um, that makes a massive difference and, and it has a big impact because people, uh, they'll feel trusted. I mean, they, they, they will be trust in the team, right? Um, not just that, but you are fostering this a different type of culture people are feeling more safe and comfortable um, and that helps them go extra miles so what i mean by that is that if you just need to ask a question like do the team trust me like uh, do they trust each other within the team and the only way to achieve that is that if you show empathy if you create that you know cultivate that culture where people feel safe and they they don't shy away of opening or sharing their point of views, then I think you can reach to that level. And once you are at that level, then people, they don't think twice before going extra mile or working few hours late at night if due to P1 issues or, you know, uh, outages or anything, right? So that, I think, ma makes a huge difference. And to support that, what we can do is we can incorporate feedback now, I know, I feel personally that we are not that good in terms of feedback. I mean, we're very used to top-down feedback, which I think pretty much works in all the organization. And that's what we've been doing throughout like many decades. But once you have this openness and comfortableness in the team, then the feedback goes in all direction. It goes sideways. It go, It comes you know, back up. Uh, and that's what you need to appreciate okay. and uh, encourage within the team. Um, so yeah, once you have that uh, trust level and, and a good feedback, I think then you can easily see that, okay, you know what, I'm doing the right thing, I'm going on the right direction. 
That, that's awesome. I know one uh, tech leader once said to me that it's usually the quietest person in the room that has the best idea. So, like you say, making sure that everyone's collaborative, that you've got that open piece of communication, allowing your staff members to do that is, is fantastic points. Thank you so much. And um, Stuart, would you like to add anything? Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm glad that uh, Aslan just brought up. You know the the need for you know building trust and and again we we talked about it a bit but that that culture of psychological safety within a team in order to elicit direct feedback on your leadership because that can often be um, the best way of uh, of receiving it is, is just to ask um, and. Like I know many organizations, Car Sales has this um, uh, employee opinion surveys or um, you know, regular surveys on leadership and strategy and things like that to get uh, to get that feedback. Um, but personally, I don't like surprises. Um, you know, but every six or 12 months, uh, never contact me on my birthday. Um, uh, so one thing I do with my team, you know, we, we have our fortnightly catch-ups where I, I do spend you know, quite a bit of time asking them, how do you think things are going? How do you, how, do you know the path that we're on? Is there anything that I can help you with on your own personal redevelopment paths or, um, you know, particularly when we talk about, you know, bushwhacking and clearing parts like are there any people that you need to know within the business um in to help you do that yeah. uh, going forward like is there anyone i can introduce you to is you know i've, I've been here over a decade I, I know where everything is so like i help <laughs> i'm uniquely positioned to do that but um and and what another thing that we do um is uh, Atlassian have a um, it's a, a format for a quick health check. Uh, I think it's about seven or eight questions, and it speaks to the things that um, that Byron you were bringing up around. You know, do we know who our team's owner is? Like, who's our um, not so much our leader, but but who's taking the feedback in for us? Uh, do we have the right people that we need in the team to get the job done? Do we have a shared understanding of what we're working on and how it contributes to the the wider vision? Um, do we know what success means? And do we feel like we have a psychologically safe environment? Um, so that's something that I do with my team anonymously every couple of months. Um, and I just look for trends in that um, because I find that trends often correlate with, particularly with external factors, like if we've got a, a big new project on and then we find that, uh, you know, shared understanding starts to dip or start to tweak that, you know, maybe there's a problem with how those requirements are being defined or with the um, expectations of the stakeholders involved or what have you. Um, and it allows a quicker pivot than what you might get with, say, more structured feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think to it all comes back to Aslan's point around those things only work if you're putting in the effort every day to foster that sense of safety and that sense of trust. Um, 
because you can have all of the structured feedback mechanisms that you like, but if people don't think they're going to be taken mm. in the spirit in which they're intended, um, then the output of them stuff don't be worth anything. Um, so it's all that stuff about. It just diminishes if you, if you don't listen to feedback, implement and do, like on a very you know daily basis, as you say, clearly some things are bigger than others. Yeah. However, that, that trust is quickly eroded if you ask for the same feedback again six months later. Great. Right. <laughs> no, you're very correct. Thanks for that. And Susanna, is there any points you'd like to make in regards to metrics and how do you um, measure effective leadership? I just um, count the number of people who have a happy smile on their face when I ask them to do something. <laughs> and how many people have a happy face when the, and, and challenge me when I ask them to do something? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think <laughs> really, really important points around psychological safety, really important points around, um, you know, the measurement of uh, engagement. I think you called out the Atlassian feature, Stuart. I think that's really key because um, here in our organisation we also have something similar that we've introduced um, in terms of an engagement survey. We have ones that go out to the entire organisation, but I think with so many people within our engineering community, um, we measure NPS with our customers. So why don't we measure NPS with our own uh, employees? You know, how likely are you to recommend um, AGL to your friends and family. It's the same thing. It's it's making sure that this is the right environment um, and it, it's a psychologically safe environment one um, and adds to all those things that we were talking about earlier. You know, is it an environment where they're doing valuable work, they feel happy, um, they're, you know, have an environment where they can fail and they're comfortable to speak up and challenge and, and all of those things. So 100% agree. Thank you so much, Susanna. Um, and I know we've spoken quite a lot around essential characteristics of a leader and um, what an effective leader looks like to you. Uh, this kind of leads on quite well from Susanna's point just there. But what kind of strategies do you kind of use to manage stress and burnout? And this goes for yourself and also your team members. Uh, so, honestly, I'll, I'll pose this question to yourself. So, what kind of strategies do you use in terms of like managing stress and, and the wider team? Sorry, as well. Sorry, I'm sorry, I missed it. I thought you asked Susanna. That's <laughs> okay. Don't we tell I'll ask the question again. <laughs> so, uh, what kind of strategies do you use to manage stress and prevent burnout, both yourself and your team? I think, uh, uh, yeah, I can say that we've only been in this situation where we end up working extra hours, especially when there is a deadline for a project uh, or uh, unscheduled outages and especially if you're in the tech side uh, and I think things can get really stressful really quickly right because all of a sudden not just business but uh, everyone uh, in in the technology is just right on your head uh, and you know demanding to find a solution I mean not in a bad way but yeah it does sometimes get uh, quite uh, heated a situation uh, depending on the problem now, myself as well as my team, we've been in this situation. Uh, we, we used to be in this situation a couple of years back quite often, like let's say once every month. Uh, but after that, we made some uh, drastic technical technological upgrades and changes to the infrastructure, which has reduced us to be in this position. However, uh, 
um, what I found is that um, what really works is um, this is coming from the higher level management. What they've introduced is the Friday should be a wellness day. Okay. Uh, so if you have someone burned out or worked over the weekend or during the week as well, uh, they know that you still have one day a week, which is a Friday, where you're not expected to work, especially during the afternoon. Um, so what you can do instead is uh, if the weather is good, go out for a walk, get some sunshine, um, do some personal so development, um, do some courses. Uh, that's quite common uh, in, in the technology space. Uh, and this has quite remarkably changed people's life. I mean, people, I, I genuinely feel that people are so happy. Like Friday, <laughs> I know in the before COVID, Friday was like a hangout. You probably want to go out and catch a drink and you, you, that that's fine as well. But now most of the people working from home on Fridays, so having this day of wellness, that makes a huge difference. I mean, people living with the family, you go out, play with the kids, spend some quality time with your family. So it's a, in a way, it's giving back to your people. Um, and I also want to make the point is, is during this lockdown or before we went into this whole work from home, right? There was this doubt that whether or not people will be able to perform or work as they were used to, you know, when we were in office physically. Uh, and what has actually happened, and I'm sure you all uh, have seen the same thing, is that the productivity has gone up quite a bit, simply because people are now available, more reachable, they have their you know, work laptops with them all the time. Uh, and because you're not spending money and traveling and commuting, you're spending more time working. So that was one of the main reasons the company has decided to give this half a day of Friday Wellness Day to all the people. And I think it's just working wonders within our organization. Um, and I'm very grateful for this. And I think, uh, yeah, this is something that we all should uh, encourage in our organization as well. Yeah. Absolutely. We can test if my boss is listening because I'll definitely vouch for a Friday afternoon. Susan, is there anything you'd like to add in terms of managing stress and preventing burnout? Yes, at um, AGL we have something quite similar to you, Asam. It's, um, it, it's not every week, it's one day a month and we call it People Day in Technology and that's giving you the space to have no meetings where possible. It's focus on life admin if you have to. You know, you've got to go to the dentist, go. You've got to um, go and learn a new skill, do that as well. So I think it's really just giving our people the space um, without being interrupted with so many meetings. I think for the teams as well, it is a very real thing, you know, burnout and stress, um, especially with such a big program and a huge backlog of work. We've got so many initiatives going at any one time. I think it's helping the teams to um, plan the priorities a little bit better by using capacity planning. So really taking in the capacity of all of the teams and just helping them work through um, what to prioritize based on your capacity. Nothing more, maybe less, take in more mm -hmm. after, but I think um, just really centering it around your capacity and working that way. 
Um, for myself, I actually recently took some recharge leave. So I took about a week off and did nothing but rested, relaxed, went and got a massage, did some yoga. Um, and when I'm at work, I have recently had to actually book in some focus time for myself where I actually get to do any work because the days are quite filled with meetings. So I think for me, that's how I manage my day. And then outside of work, it's, you know, walking the dogs, taking them to the park and maybe doing something creative using both sides of the brain. Yeah, it still works tonight. Yeah, it's nice to have the off switch, isn't it? I know. Um, Stuart, what's your kind of take around managing stress and preventing burnout? Um, I, I think we've talked about it um, uh, quite a bit, but it's just that idea of, of having empathy for your team and also for yourself, knowing that work's you know a big part of our lives, but it is just one part of our lives. Um, and you know, I would never refuse a reasonable request from my team around. Oh, I need an afternoon here. I've got a doctor's appointment, or um, you know. Quite a, a couple of my team, uh, uh, one's recently uh, bought a house, one's recently sold a house. So that's a um, you know, a, a taxing process um, to have to go through at either end. And um, I'm like, yeah, look, take the time that you need because I know if I give them that space, I'll get it back. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I love the structure around having like that time for personal development or for your own things that I know some companies provide and I think that's great. Um, I also think that as leaders, we can take it a step further by showing that empathy and just like it, it might happen sometimes. Okay? Um, and we we have to be not only uh, able but, but willing to, to account for that. Um, and I think Susanna, you made a great point that it's not just um, in giving the time or the space when you're asked for it, but it's also in the day-to-day work that you do. You know, ensuring that um, your team's capacity is, or your, your team's work matches their capacity. Your um, that they're not getting uh, you know, that requests from stakeholders are being funneled into a um, into a single place and that they're, you know, those pieces of work being groomed properly and being understood properly and they're not just being taken up because somebody asked for them. Mm-hmm. And um, just you know, the, the idea that when they come to work, there is, there is not only purpose, but there's structure. Um, and if things fall out of that structure um, or if... Um, you know, it feels like it's falling apart, as it does <laughs> say with, a, with an outage or two, but um, that they have somewhere to go, that they, um, you know, that, that they have guardrails there, um, yeah. supports there. Um, so I, th- I thought that was a really good point. Um, you know, it's not only just those those life moments, um, you know, being empathetic of those and, and having that space for those but it's also in our day-to-day ensuring that um you're as a leader you're conscious that you're asking people to do these things and it's <laughs> just uh it's not just a a steady stream of development work that that 
um, happens with no consequence. It's, uh, you know, you always need to keep that front of Said, Thank you so much for that, Stuart. And, and last but not least, Byron, what's your take around managing stress? It's a it's a real thing. I've said it not just recently, but consistently over a good 15 years. And I, I remember one situation with a team member once who was physically very upset and felt very overwhelmed. And um, it's a thing I call the backlog of burden where you've got just a ton of stuff and, and you can't sort the forest from the trees. And this, this particular person had all these things on the list and just, just didn't know how to prioritise. And I said, well, okay, let's just take a sec. You know, let's, okay, A, B, and C, great. What would happen if this doesn't happen? Or, or nothing. Well, all right, so <laughs> if we don't do that, nothing's really going to happen. Well, let's kick it down the road. Let's just like take it off your list. And um, yeah, there's a real psych- psych- um, psychological effect of that of saying, well, I've got 10 things which we're now focusing on two, and we're happy that we can kick those other ones down the road. I think um, but the analogy I use, I think we're all from Melbourne here, apart from Abby. Yes, yes good. Okay, I know, I know this, too, this will make sense. Putting more cars on Punt Road doesn't make it go any faster. <laughs> sure, it doesn't. That's the <laughs> I'm sure you know that every day. Um and, and that sort of idea of saying, well, you know, g- giving teams permission to not do something. And if, if you don't do it for this week, you don't do it next week, and no one complains about it, well, maybe it wasn't all that important. doesn't always carry through to um, to engineering teams and, and storyboards and whatnot. But, but the idea of actually giving teams that trust, that permission to say, well, I, I don't think it's really that important. And, and what can we do as an alternative? Is there, a, is there a back to the point we made before around eighty twenty? Is there something else we can do? Like, let's just kind of deprioritize it in our own mind and maybe get a, a solution kind of achieves an outcome, but maybe isn't the gold plate of solution. So I've found all those those sort of strategies to work. And um, and obviously, as a leader, making sure that you're talking to your people about burden, you're talking to people about stress. First conversation I had with everyone were one-on-one, how you going? Like, you know, what's up? How you feeling? Um, I know you're moving house last week. Like, has, oh, you know, that was really cool. Well, don't ask me for permission to leave at three o'clock because you got to go and, you know, get the power. Well, don't ask my permission, just do it. Like, that's the sort of environment, again, touching on trust, that just helps people to get through that that um, burden of, of what happened in their personal lives, as, as we said as well. So... Yeah, I've, I've found those to be relatively effective um, techniques over, over a few years. Thank you so much for that insight, Byron. And Aslam, is there anything that you'd like to add? Yeah, just one point. Uh, as we are talking about stress and burnout, now I just want to highlight that uh, we always think about work-related stress and burnout, right? But uh, especially in the last two, three years, as we spend more time at home, uh, we are also seeing different type of stress right which originates from you know, from work or from other personal life and commitments and what i have done is i've encouraged my team to come to work at least once a week uh, and again this needs to pass down from the high management and also you need to incentivize somewhere i know it's difficult and things are changing and people are resigning because you're asking them to come to work and they don't see that but it does actually help right you come to work 
not necessarily yeah your productivity might go down for sure but what you get out of coming to work is just a different scenery you get to see people you you work and you discuss so that physical touch makes a huge difference at the back of our mind we don't realize it but yes uh that i think helps with all sort of stress you need to do once in a while get out and yeah be in office i think just to, just to build on that point around productivity i argue against that because i think when you're with people face to face the things that you're doing collaboration design like whatever it might be are not things you'd be doing at home. So don't come to the work to work to answer emails. Come to work to use that time productively to achieve an outcome. And, and I think, you know, that sort of mentality of, you know, teams self-guiding, self-governing to a point around when they get together, when they're at, at home, is really important. Great. Yeah. All great points. Um, thank you so much, everybody. Before we end the podcast, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to all of our guests for sharing all your thoughts today in today's conversation. Um, once again, the guests on our podcast today have been Byron, CIO from Australia's Sports Foundation. We have Aslam, the team leader from CPA Australia. Stuart, the development team lead from Car Sales. And Susanna, delivery manager from AGL. I just want to thank you all for your contributions and your continued support to the Evolution Exchange community. I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to know everybody individually, but together as a group, it's been amazing. For all of our listeners at home, if you're hiring for a technical role or looking for a new role, feel free to reach out to myself here at Evolution. Or if you know anybody that wants to be featured on the podcast, you can drop me a message anytime. Thanks again to all my guests and thank you to all for listening at home. We hope you can join us next time. Bye.